Listen on files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up. Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Serena! <laughs> The Bellissimo Files on Spin. And now your host, Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. Happy New Year. Can we still say that? Well, do you know what? I think this is it. This is the last weekend where you can say Happy New Year. I hope you've had a great break. I know we did here, but we are back to get back into 2022. And we've got a fantastic lineup on today's show. Jessica Chastain is going to be talking about her new action film, The 355. I made this film as, like, a rebellious act. Find out why James Nesbitt is saying this. Ah, right, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'll give you a chance to win a 12-month Hey You subscription. And up next, I'll be introducing you to Fly the Nest. The Melissimo Files. One to watch. This week's One to Watch started playing music at a very young age, performing in a number of bands. But two years ago, inspired by a life of moving from place to place, he started the solo project called Fly the Nest. This week, he released his latest track, Say Hello. I'm joined by the guy behind Fly the Nest, Stephen Cooper. Stephen, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be on. Uh, before we talk about anything, we need to talk about Fly the Nest because I introduced you as Fly the Nest and then I welcomed yeah. Stephen to the show. So tell me about Fly the Nest. So Fly the Nest is uh, my artist alias, if you want to put it that way. Very, uh, very fancy of me. Yeah, I mean, I was always traveling around. I was always on the road and leaving different projects behind me in, in, in the past uh, musically. So it just kind of spawned from that, actually. And instead of just going with Stephen Cooper. You have played in a number of bands before. What do you yes. like about doing your own thing? I, I feel like it, it just even the musical um, scope is just more so like all down to yourself and it's, it kind of lands on you as well. And you can hire in the musicians, the, the specific musicians you want for each track. And uh, you can go with different producers. Um, and I just got into the whole sync licensing a couple of years ago as well. Did a big course on that. The Catch the Moon Music in LA. So um, I really got great insights on that for an entire year. And yeah, just having the songs kind of written towards that, geared towards that these days. But as well as that, there's songs that I just want to release that are my favourites from my own back catalogue. I've got a larger back catalogue there. And yeah, it's been great fun and I absolutely love it. And I love the whole different production element of when you get into the sync world, it's like you're looking for certain elements that would work in scenes or work in ads or work in different things. And I've got like different songs for every theme you could think of now, whether it's a wedding song, whether it's a celebration song, where it's like a post-lockdown song or whatever it is. <laughs> um, you yeah. just released Say Hello. This has been sitting on your laptop for a while. Why is now the perfect time for you to like put this out there? Uh, I feel like it's in line with, with uh, a lot of the other stuff that I've released. And it's, uh, it's a song that I wrote actually in 2017. Wow. So um, it was actually a song that was in line to be produced and mixed and everything else. But I, was, I had a couple of songs in the meantime that were finished, but I just wanted to wait for this one as well. You're living you know. in Denmark at the moment? In Copenhagen. How does, how does an <laughs> Irishman end up in Copenhagen? And what's the music scene like over there? Well, the music scene is actually banging over here and there's a lot of incredible musicians and there's a lot of great jam nights and a lot of great, great music scene. Actually, the guy who won the X Factor here two years ago lives below me. <laughs> no way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually in a, in a band with two girls who won it. It's madness, but it's brilliant stuff. It's a, it's a very small, knit community over here. Even smaller than Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> your day job, I'm really interested in, as well as your this project, Fly the Nest. But tell me, you work, again, 
you, you're an Irish man living in Copenhagen, working for an advertising agency in LA. How does that happen? So, I mean, I was doing that when I was on the road a lot and I have, I've actually got five um, distinct licenses and agencies representing my catalogue around the world. There's, uh, or there's six now actually. There's two in Ireland and there's four in the States. I just got into that. I really wanted to get into that line of work and did a course on it just to get a bit more of an insight in it. And I absolutely loved it. And the whole idea of you don't have to have a label, you don't have to be famous to, to, to make a living off it. You don't have to. There's all these different ways of, of making a living, I suppose. And as well as that, I do also play in the bars and stuff over here. And they've got 45 bars and I play all around Europe with them because they they've got so many of them. And I come over here playing for them these guys that you've seen me playing in Temple Bar many, many years ago. And uh, they're like, come on over to our place in Denmark and you can play for, play for our pubs. We'd love that. I was like, ah, Denmark, whatever, you know. We started coming back and forward from Ireland quite a lot uh, to Denmark. And then they opened bars in Norway and then, and then in Holland and then in Barcelona and in Finland. So we're just traveling around all the time for these guys. It's, it's my bread and butter, I suppose, but I'm doing this as well in conjunction with that, you know? And that's where I love you showing that, you know, you can, you can still make money from your passion. It may not be just always yeah. releasing music at, like you have with yeah. Say Hello, but the fact that yeah. you can work I suppose now we don't have to be based in LA to work for the advertising agency in LA. It's I love that you no. are getting creative with your passion and still able to make money exactly. from it. And you know, during the lockdown, like many musicians, actually, I was writing and recording a lot, and uh, that's when the collaboration with the Australian guy came along, and he's fantastic. He's he's absolutely brilliant. But um, that's just kept me on my toes and it's kept me busy and it's just kept me really focused, I suppose, when there, when there were no, uh, I suppose, cover gigs. But the funny thing is, even with Fly the Nest, six months after I started, um, the lockdown came and everything else. So everything kind of went down the drain. I just had to get creative and I just started writing and, and collaborating and getting my teeth stuck into the different writing sessions and co-writing sessions with loads of different people even back home. But... Um, it's been great but even during the lockdown me, uh, myself and my friend here were going around the courtyards in Copenhagen just playing music like just busking it was a great experience uh, in 2020 even though it was bad we kind of we had to sit down and think what can we do here so we just got out got the bikes out got the busking system out and started playing all around Copenhagen and it was received very well so we are delighted with that I love that you're getting so creative if people want to follow you and find out what you're doing give us your social handles yeah Fly the Nest official on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter is flythenest underscore. And if you can't find it, if you've forgotten, literally fly the nest music into Google and it'll bring you to all of that stuff. Exactly. Or fly the nest and put Stephen Cooper beside it. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with everything this year. Thanks so much. Stephen, before I let you go, not letting you go without playing out your track, will you introduce it for us? Yes, this is Fly the Nest. This song is called Say Hello on the Bellissimo Files. Another day is coming gone. You're not there. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. It is so great to see different stories coming out in the cinema at the moment. January is always my favourite month at the cinema because it's the lead up to the Oscars, to all the awards ceremonies. So you're seeing so many different films. And one of those different films is The 355 starring Jessica Chastain. I don't think she'll be in the running for any awards with this film. But it is fabulous. Jessica Chastain plays Mace, a CIA agent who has to join forces with three international agents to retrieve a top-secret weapon 
that, you guessed it, has fallen into the wrong hands. But she also has to try and stay a step ahead of a mysterious woman who's tracking their every move. I was so excited to be able to chat to Jessica Chastain about the 355. Hi, Jessica, how's it going? Very well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited by this film. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. I'm very excited by the film too. I'm excited it's finally coming out. I know, because it's been a while. There's a line in this film that Khadija says to Mace, and she says, getting in the room isn't the same as getting in. Jessica, you are in the room with this film. Yeah, you've (laughs) you've made it in the film, but do you know what I love? You've brought others with you. How did this happen? Well, I had the idea to make this film. I was on the jury in Cannes in 2017, and, you know, they are always raising money for financing. It's a great film market in Cannes. And I had noticed there was all these posters for these male ensemble action films, and I kind of just turned to my agent and I said, why don't they ever make that kind of film with a female ensemble but not like a joke it's not a joke that women are are good at their job and like strong and like they're strong and uh capable and cunning and my agent hilda queely um said you know what let's you you got to figure out how to make this and you know what if we go to actresses and all of these things and that's how it all came to be i um saw on your instagram you put up a post and edgar ramirez was talking and it was his first day on set and he said This is karma. We all did something good sometime before this year to have the opportunity to be here and play together. What was that set like? It was very special. I remember the very first day of shooting was in Paris and, you know, everyone was there and we kept looking at each other saying, I don't understand. How how do we get away with this? How are we making this film? It was so much fun. Everyone was in, always in a great mood. I mean, my favorite story, though, because um, Edgar and Sebastian, I called them up and I said, hey, do you guys want to be the eye candy in our action film? And they're like, yeah, we, yeah, we do. Um, and we were at a restaurant in Paris, um, all the cast. And, and I noticed, like, we're eating and, and joking. It was Diane's birthday. And I looked over at the guys and they weren't really eating and they were like drinking tea and I was like what's going on and and Edgar was like oh I'm taking my shirt off tomorrow on set or like whatever and I realized it's the first time I've ever been on a film set where the women are like we're having dessert we're drinking wine and the men are very concerned about how they're going to look the next day and I thought this is the kind of set I want to be <laughs> You know what I loved as well, Jessica, that it was just so diverse and me pointing it out makes a big deal about it, right? But it didn't feel like a big deal in the film because it just was. Finally. That makes me happy. Yeah. And like, you know, sometimes you see these stories and it's just like, okay, they've ticked this box and ticked this box. But I feel like this film just was. What impact do you hope it has? There's so much about this film. It's kind of like anti-nationalism, you know, in a way. It's about when we work together, that's how we solve problems. Yeah. And that's on a global scale. And it's so interesting that um, this film was made before the pandemic because we're now globally actually trying to figure that out. You know, it's really, it's a film that is about demolishing kind of borders and boundaries in the sense that, you know, everyone can try to do things on their own. Just like Mace, she can try to do it just with, 
you know, uh, um, her colleagues. But the reality is they're only successful when they reach across and they share information and their skills. And so that's more that's the story I wanted to tell. And the only way you can really achieve that is if it's inclusive, you know, in terms of beyond the film industry, in terms of anything. The more ideas you have, the more backgrounds you have, the more the different demographics then I think that's actually how you uh, have the most information. And finally, again, yeah, I was stalking your Instagram. <laughs> On your Instagram, Do it. there was a video you put up as well. It was about kindness day and what, and what made you happy. And you said, if I work with people that make me happy to go to work every day, then I'm going to want to repeat that experience again and again. Please tell me you're repeating this experience because I need oh. to see this again. <laughs> Oh, I hope so. I mean, listen, it's all it all depends on what an audience asks for and demands. I mean, the reality is I didn't make this film to try to like, oh, I want to be an action star. Or any, I mean, that's I don't want to kind of be any type of associated to any type of genre. I'm happy to do all the genres. But I made this film as like a rebellious act um, in the sense that to show um, what women do and what they're capable of. And if an audience likes to see Diane, you know, riding a a motorcycle through a Parisian arcade and, you know, uh, Penelope... in the scene where she's like um, trying to get the information at the auction and and Lupita and her fight scene that she has with the headscarf in the hammam. I mean, all of these things are just so exciting to see. If an audience um, responds to that, I'm very happy to find other ways that we can extend the story. Yeah, well, Jessica, here's to you rebelling because I'll watch any of your rebel moves. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. It's wonderful talking with you. If you want to check out a fabulous action film at the cinema this weekend, the 355 is for you. Let's go! The Melissimal Files. What to watch. What to watch. There is so much out in the cinemas at the moment. We caught up earlier on with Jessica Chastain to talk about the 355, but that's not the only thing out in cinemas or available to stream. Joining me on the line now is entertainment.ease, Danger of My Lumbee. Dee, happy new year. Happy New Year to you, Serena. Um, It's a good year when it comes to the cinema. Well, January is a good month, isn't it, when it comes to movies? I think so. I think that people always like to... I think that the cinema kind of... uh, The cinema runner guys, they kind of want people (laughs) to, like, get back into theatres, you know, after everyone's kind of stayed in at Christmas. So usually there are some really good films out in January, and this is no exception this year. Well, I'm really excited about the first one we're going to talk about, Licorice Pizza, starring one of the Haim sisters. That's right. Alana Haim stars in this film, as does Cooper Hoffman, who is actually the son of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh, no which way. is quite extraordinary. Yeah, that's just it. So there, those actors, uh, they play these two characters. Cooper Hoffman plays Gary Valentine, who is a 15-year-old actor and something of a hustler, while Alana Haim, uh, her character is also named Alana, and she's a 25-year-old photographer's assistant. The film is set in San Fernando Valley in 1973, and these two characters strike up a friendship that could be verging on first love um, and over one summer they face all of these trials and tribulations as they start a business together and go on all sorts of adventures. Let's take a clip. 
Listen, young lady, you don't bring this idiot to Shabbat dinner here. Listen, Dad, he's an atheist and an actor, and he's famous. But he's Jewish. He was going to take me out of here, Etsy. Don't you even look at me. Don't you even look at me. You're always oh. looking at me. I what are you doing? I didn't say anything. What are you doing? What are you thinking, huh? I'm Essie. I work for mom and dad. I'm perfect. I'm a real estate agent. Alana doesn't have her life together. Alana brings home stupid boyfriends all the time. I mean, I knew it. I knew that was what you were thinking. You're always thinking things. You thinker. You thinker. You think things. A clip there from Licorice <laughs> Pizza. I've missed movies like this and I've been really excited about this one. Please tell me that it lives up to the hype. Oh, I absolutely really, really enjoyed Yay! this. Um, I absolutely love the 70s vibe of it. It's got such a fantastic soundtrack and kind of production design uh, that harkens back to that era. You've got some great cameos in there. The likes of Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper show up for some absolutely wow. hilarious, like crazy, ridiculous scenes. But really, it is Cooper Hoffman and Alana who like are the heart of this movie and their chemistry in this film is absolutely terrific. I love the character of Gary Valentine and how he's a risk taker and very cheeky and he has this kind of obnoxiousness which often lands him in trouble and then Alana's character is really interesting as well because even though she's that bit older she's kind of going through these growing pains of her own as she's trying to figure out what she wants from life she often clashes with her family as you heard in the clip there and we also see her kind of struggle with growing up as a young woman in the 70s era which was kind of quite you know hypersexualized and stuff like that so I just thought that their characterizations were really really well written and it's just a script that is so infused with heart and humour and you become so immersed in this world and you fall in love with these characters I thought that it was just a really kind of feel good light experience and really just a thoroughly lovely film I think that Paul Thomas Anderson, he's such a like talented director and it's really interesting he only kind of writes some of his scripts and in this case he really wrote this script and you can tell that he just infused it with such love so I really really adored this film. Oh I can't wait to see it sounds like a perfect date film as well what are you going to give it out of five? I'm going to give it four out of five stars. Really, really enjoyed it. What a great start to 2022. Let's move on to The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. This year seems to be all about Benedict Cumberbatch. It really is, yeah, because obviously we saw him uh, a few months ago in The Power of the yeah. Dog. He's playing a completely different character here, so I think that that's just, you know, kind of a tribute to just how talented an actor he is and his very wide range. Um, in this film, he is playing Louis Wayne, who is a British artist, this kind of very eccentric individual who rose to prominence in Victorian England for his paintings of cats primarily, which just delighted the world over. Let's take a clip. Cats are acutely aware of the dangers of electrical rheumatism. And of course, if you ever need to punish a cat, you can just crumple the paper to make the sound of thunder. Do cats get rheumatism? Oh, yes, of course, Miss Simmons. Mr. Wayne, we have been showing your cat pictures to our staff. They've been laughing, they've been <laughs> smiling. We're going to get you out there. You're a personality. Wouldn't you say, Alicia, honey? You're Mr. Cat. You're cat man. Cat man. A clip there from the electrical life of Louis Wayne. I don't know what to make of this, Dee. And yes, I'm judging a film by its title. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a quirky film. I think it is as electrical as the title suggests. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I found it very charming, very moving. Um, I thought the characterization, again, kind of like the licorice pizza, which I was talking about, but they're just such lovely characters and you just fall in love with them for all their oddities. Uh, Louis Wayne is such a strange individual. He's got this kind of sense of uh, frenetic energy and he's just very abnormal and there's this gorgeous relationship that develops between him and the governess who is played by Claire Foy in 
in that they're both these kind of abnormal people that just like kind of have this chemistry and click together, which I thought was really kind of sweet. Um, it's a feel-good film, but there's also kind of a sense of sadness to the life of Louis Wayne as well. We see him suffer from anxiety. We see um, him kind of experience death all around him, which is quite sad as well. Um, I'd also say that it's definitely a film, if you like cats, you probably heard in the clip there, they talk a lot about cats and they have managed to cast the most adorable kittens in the world just pop up in this film. I was like, can I can I take one of these home, please? <laughs> just, it is definitely one for cat fans. Okay. But really, I think it's just a thoroughly gorgeous movie. It's vibrant and colourful as well. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And when's it available, Dee? Um, this is also available in cinemas now. I think that in the States, actually, it went to Amazon okay. Prime, but here you can see it in cinemas. Brilliant. Dee, as always, thanks a million and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for having me. The Bellissimo Files. Favourite things. Joining me to share his favourite things right now is one half of the Stallup podcast. It's Darren Conway. Darren, welcome to the Bellissimo Files. Thanks for having us on. How are you doing? It's been an exciting couple of weeks for you. It's been mad. It's all go. Well, you normally like, have to wind down in January and assess everything, what's going to happen, but it just, it just happened. Wow. <laughs> Well, let's start with great personal news. You're engaged. I'm engaged, yeah. Never thought that would happen, but it did. When did you do yeah. it? I've done it on Christmas morning. No way. It's a bit of a, a, bit no, of a pop-out. You can't take, the, can't, can't take the presents. You just get a ring. <laughs> <laughs> so you're engaged. Then, on top of that, you have been really busy because the last couple of days... You've been filling in for Graham and Nathan on The Breakfast Show on Spin with Tara yep. and with Joe, and you guys were bloody brilliant. How was it for you? Oh, we, we loved it, yeah. It was very enjoyable. It was completely different than a podcast, you know, so it's, it is very different. But um, I think the second day we got, we got uh, better. <laughs> How different was it? Podcasts stall it. Constantly yeah. topping the t- the charts, but how different was it for you going from a podcast situation to live radio? The first thing is coursing, isn't it? So yeah, Darren, I was listening and I was just going, "Oh my god, please, please don't curse, please don't curse." Yeah. I nearly slipped today now, but I think I said flip, flip. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that's one of the hardest things, I suppose. But it wasn't too hard. I think you think more about it before you even do it, and then when you're in there, when you see where you are you kind of know not to well as I said Stolat has been topping the charts the podcast charts what do you guys have in store for 2022 more the same just stay having a laugh you know um, yeah. I think one of our main goals well mine anyway would be to get more guests in and uh, try and use them to promote <laughs> that's a good idea so um, as I said we love you on the Stolat podcast and we feel like we know you but we want to get to know you a little bit better through your favourite yeah. things. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. What TV show are you obsessing over right now? The most recent one I'm watching is Dope Sick on Disney+. Plus. It's uh, Michael Keaton is in it and it's about, um, you know, the prescription drug Oxycontin? Yeah. That has taken over America and it's like based in like late 90s, early 2000s and it's just about court cases and what it does to people and uh, Michael Keaton is fantastic in it. Your all-time favourite film? That's what I said that to Joe earlier when I was telling him about the topics I was saying. When someone asks you what your favourite film is, you're like, I don't know, but so many that I like. One that kind of pops would probably be maybe The Dark Knight, Batman. Yeah, how are you feeling about The Batman coming out in March? I'm just jealous that Robert Pattinson got it and not me. <laughs> I think that's going to be brilliant. Yeah, and I think wait. Robert Pattinson is doing like, a really good job. 
because the same thing as Heath Ledger when people seeing Heath Ledger was playing Joker they were like what? Same with Robert Pattinson Twilight what? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be good. Do you have a favourite book? I don't actually read so my favourite book would probably be any kind of sticker book that's gone <laughs> where you like, put the animals in the zoo and stuff. <laughs> the song that everyone should have on their pumped up playlist. Maybe uh, Push It To The Limit from Scarface you know. Push It To The Limit yeah. Do you have a favourite album? Um, my favourite, one of my favourite albums of all time is probably uh, Nirvana Nevermind. I like uh, a bit of grunge, you know, a bit of yeah. Cocaine. Besides the obvious, your yeah. favourite podcast? Besides Starlet. <laughs> that's another thing people are going to be like, what? Uh, I don't listen to podcasts. Really? I swear to God. I've I never listened what... to a full episode of a podcast, not even my own. Well, maybe that's why yours is so popular because... You don't try to be anybody else's podcast. You just go in there and do your own thing. Maybe. Maybe that maybe that works then, yeah. I know Joe and everybody's always saying, oh, I should listen to this podcast, that podcast. And I like films and TV shows and whatever else, you know. What app can't you live without? Um, Justy. Favourite takeaway order? Anything. Sushi is up there now for me. I'm, I'm a bit posh nowadays. Or else a spice bag. I was going to say, from spice bag to sushi, huh? Yeah, it went from spice bag to sushi and now I, I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favourite social media account to follow? Uh, Joseph McGuckin. Who? Joseph McGuckin from Starlet. Did you ever oh, listen to that? Sorry, podcast? sorry. I, okay, <laughs> can I just... <laughs> can I tell you what happened there? That was the yeah. accent. I was like, who's Joe does some cooking? <laughs> Have you ever seen that guy that does the cookery stuff? Joe does some cooking. He does. Uh, he teaches you how to make his voice back. <laughs> Joe's second name is McGuckin, and it's pretty. Uh, it's a peculiar name. I'm, I'm I'm happy, and I'm sure Joe's happy that you've got yeah. him as your social media account to follow. And finally, what do you love to do on a weekend? Nothing really. I'd rather just relax. The weekdays do be hectic with recording and everything, so it's nice to just. Uh, I like to go to the middle oil. In Aldi and Little, actually. I always just look at things. I never buy things. I was going to say, what's what's the most useless thing that you thought you really needed that you bought when you were in the middle aisle? I keep buying, like, this canopy thing that does be in Little and Aldi. I forget which one it is. And, like, because in my apartment, there's, like, where the back doors are, there's, like, two double doors. There's, like, four metal pillars going around. And it's really, like, people just walk by our window. Do you know that way when you're in yeah. the kitchen? Put this canopy up. And it just blows away all the time. So I just keep buying it though. It just, keep getting, <laughs> just keeps blowing away. Oh, well, Darren, listen, thank you so much for sharing your favourite things with us. Um, can't wait to hear what you guys have in store for us for 2022. Stall It podcast available via the Go Loud app. Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. You're listening to the Bellissimo Files, where now it is time to catch up with James Nesbitt. You may know him from The Hobbit, Cold Feet, Bloodlands, and he's much talked about cameo in Line of Duty, where he just appeared in a photograph. Well, he's back now in Netflix's eight-part series, Stay Close. He's playing another detective, Detective Michael Broom. Stay Close follows three people living comfortable lives who each conceal some dark secrets that even those closest to them would never suspect. As the past comes back to haunt them, threatening to ruin their lives and the lives of those around them, what will be the next move? Well, James Nesbitt told us told us all about that. Hey, James, how's it going? Good. You've said about Stay Close that you didn't know what to expect when you were going into this. How did you feel leaving it? 
I felt exhausted, but I felt <laughs> happy. I felt that I would miss it. I mean, I loved it, I have to say. I love what you've said about this character. You said, I love this because I got to explore bits of myself through this character. What was the biggest or most surprising thing you learnt about yourself by being a part of this project? Uh, probably something to do with work, in a way, that actually... You know, I've been because I mean, I was the same age as this character. I mean, he's coming to the end of his career, but he's he's been successful. You're not coming to the end of yours, though. No, James. Well, let's put not. that out there. <laughs> no, but I mean, but he's been successful in work, but 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 he's still determined. You know, I still um, I'm very aware of my privilege. You know, and I'm not saying that um, falsely. I, I really am, yeah. but I still like it. You know, and I like the work and I like the job. And, and, I, and I, I'm pretty hardworking, to tell you the truth. And I'm not a stranger to a glass of wine, but the work is the priority. And, and, and I sort of saw that with Broom, that I just, you can't let things go. You do have a responsibility to things. You do have to get up in the morning. My mother used to say to me, James, the sun rises and so must you. When I used to find it hard to get out of bed. And, and, and I love that. I saw in Broom, I think, what I like to think are some of the, the bits I... I, I don't consider about myself a lot of the time, but actually I maybe quite like about myself that actually you don't have to get on with everyone, but you kind of have to have an understanding and a decency and a sort of respect for things. And I, and I like that about him. And also I like his passion. There's a lot of themes going through this series, running away from your past, hiding from it, identity, realising that actually my past maybe wasn't so bad and I'd like to bring a part of that into my future. If you could go back, to a past moment or a past feeling, would you? And what would you go back to? I miss being 31 in Manchester. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd say I miss, I know there's lots of things I miss. There's so much I would go back to. I mean, I've been very blessed and lucky. Um, but I'm mostly, I'd go back to when my kids were really young. When Peggy was um, two, I'd go back to that because she was just such a comedian. And, um, you know, and they're both incredible now. They're 24 and 19 now. And I'd go back to family Christmases, actually. I still love that. Let's go forward for a sec because a lot of people, we saw you and loved you in Bloodlands. Let's talk about a season two. Yeah, I start January 26th. So there's more than just talk. Ah, right. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> no, no, I think it's, no, I think that's been commissioned. Now, yeah, so I go back and start January 26th. I've read the first three scripts and I, and I think they're brilliant. I think it's going to be uh, better. And uh, I mean, and I, I loved it, but it's like it's, it's complicated and it's, you know, sometimes series have to find their feet. But yes, I go back. We're doing six episodes. It's very exciting. James, what's it like working with Jed Mercurio? Yeah, he's brilliant. I mean, he's got an incredible mind. I have to tell you, I mean, he's a, he's a funny guy, but just such a wonderful mind. He's so authentic. Uh, he's an understanding of detail. I mean, he's got, of course, his medical background brings so much with it uh, to him. He's got a real forensic uh, obsession with authenticity. Uh, the way he creates stories and characters, wonderful. Also, he's got an understanding of humour as well, which is important. How did you feel at the time of Line of Duty, where your name just kept getting mentioned and... All it was in the end was just a photo of you. Well, I mean, because Jed just approached me about that and said, because, you know, he's the master of the red herring. And he said, well, why don't we do this? And I said, no, that would be fun. But, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's certainly got people talking. Yes, and we're hoping there's going to be more. Talking about more in the future, is there a part or a genre that you haven't done yet and you'd love to do? I keep saying this. I always say, if I, if I say it in interviews enough, hopefully it'll happen. And I hopefully this will be a huge success and hopefully Netflix, because I see him briefly in this. And hopefully someone at Netflix is going to go, he's the man for our 
Netflix musical extravaganza, you know, Sweeney Todd or something like that. That's what I want to do next. I want to do a massive musical on screen. Okay, James, next time we chat, it's going to be about the Netflix musical starring James Nesbitt. I hope so. Or music. hope so. Oh, my God, how brilliant would that be? James Nesbitt in a musical. Not something I'd picture him doing, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching that. That's not available yet. That hasn't even been made. But what is available is Stay Close. It is available to stream now on Netflix. Break, 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 break it down. The Melissimo Files. What did I miss? One thing, actually not a thing, one person I missed over the last two weeks was producer Aoife. <laughs> producer Aoife, it's great to have you back. I know, it's so good to be back in the studio today and we have a few things to catch up on. We do. Can we first start with awards season? Because it sounds like people aren't as excited anymore as they used to be over awards season. Am I over-egging over it? No, I think you're right. I wouldn't have been a big awards season person them. myself. Yep. But... I always was aware of them. Now, will I miss them if they're gone? I don't think they were in my face enough to do that, but you really will miss them. I Yeah, do you know what the problem was, Aoife? I always loved, now the big ones, the Grammys, the, yeah. the Billboards, the um, MTV Awards even, the Oscars. I used to love the Golden Globes, but then the list went on and on and on, and it felt like every second week we just saw Hollywood tapping itself, patting itself on the back, and you're just like, yeah, I don't think we need them anymore. And as I said, I used to love the Golden Globes because it was both TV and um, and film, but what I didn't realise with the Golden Globes was that the awards were handed out from a jury of, like, 80-something people. Mm. As we found out a couple of years ago, it wasn't very diverse. Last year, there was no ceremony. It was coming back this year to not a lot of fanfare. Like, you know, they made the announcement. A lot of the win, a lot of the nominees didn't even put it out there yeah. that they were nominated. But now, because of um, COVID levels all around the States and all around the world, a lot of um, award ceremonies are being postponed, yeah. including, well... The Globes have decided not to postpone. They've also decided not to live stream. That's what's mad to me, the fact that they're not making them virtual. No, well, well, they sort of are, but in a really weird way. Yeah. They're going to live tweet. Like, what are we, back in 1987? Mm. Like, it's, it's a very strange one, one, isn't it? So I think, I don't know, I think the Golden Globes may be on their way out. But something that's not on their way out is the Grammys, but they have postponed, haven't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, look, I think the Grammys will get a little later on in the year. Something that definitely happened over the Christmas period. (sighs) You were really disappointed, weren't you? No, I was really, really... No, at the the lack of attention this received. Yes, okay, yeah, sorry, that is right. I was really disappointed at the lack of attention. This was by far my highlight of my Christmas watching. Really? The Harry Potter reunion. Oh, my God, why, why are we not screaming it from the rooftops like we did about the Friends one? Because I feel like I watched it with um, two little ones in my life and one of them who was a Harry Potter fanatic was really bored. I don't think the kids are going to like it. Um, I think they're too young. But she also said like half the stuff, I didn't know that Emma Watson had a crush on On um, Tom Tom Felton. Apparently diehard fans knew everything that was presented. I'm really ashamed now that I didn't know that. But (laughs) I think for people of my generation, I grew up with Harry Potter. I'm around the same age as the cast. So it was really nostalgic and really lovely for me. And I sort of feel like I've grown up with them as friends. So like maybe for my generation, it was more 
more nostalgic than okay. it would be for others. But I just loved it. I loved how they did it all. I thought it was way more personal than the Friends reunion. It was way less. Really? Oh, I love. just thought it was so much better done. I feel like HBO took everything that was wrong with the Friends reunion and fixed it in the Harry Potter one. I'd love <laughs> so to know what you think. 087-711-1038. And make, if you haven't watched it, make sure you do because it's just, it's all, it got me all in the feels. But... It's not the only thing that might be reuniting this year, which I am very excited and very surprised about. The Desperate Housewives Twitter account did what Desperate Housewives do best and stirred some stuff up. They put a tweet out. They have everyone talking. It's very Wisteria Lane of them. And all they said was, desperately waiting for 2022 with a picture of the five girls all glammed up and dolled up to the nines. And I'm like, are they coming back? Will we get a reunion of the Desperate Housewives? Do we need it? Yes. I, I enjoyed the first few seasons, but again, then I thought it ran for far too long. And I think it's something we don't need to see more of. Um, I would disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having said that, you know, I'll probably be the one coming into the office going, did you see what I happened? Know, I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's all just follow that Twitter account then and yes. see what's going on. Um, the other thing, sadly, I was devastated on New Year's Eve when I got news that Betty White, who was only... 18 days shy of her 100th birthday. She passed away peacefully in her sleep, apparently, um, at 99, almost 100. (sighs) Fans are devastated all over the world. And so have you seen the hashtag doing the rounds on social media, the Betty White Challenge? No. So there's this hashtag doing the rounds, more so in the US, but the world have sort of started picking it up as well. And they said for her uh, 100th birthday, which is on the 17th of January, why don't we take up this Betty White challenge and donate money to our local shelter? Be it five dollars, be it whatever you can, and whatever is raised is raised in her name because she was a massive animal advocate. That is so nice. Isn't that I love that. That'd be a lovely way to remember her. Yeah. I believe there was a documentary on the way about her as well. That yeah. I'm not sure whether they got to finish or not. So it'll be interesting to see if it was supposed to come out around her hundredth birthday. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that too. We'll be watching that space. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files on. Director Joe Wright, he's known for period dramas like Pride and Prejudice and Atonement. He's back in February with Cyrano. That's going to drop in cinemas on the 25th of February. If you don't know what the the film Cyrano is about, it's a story about a man who's too self-conscious to woo the woman he loves, Roxanne. So instead, he helps the gorgeous young Christian to get her heart through beautiful love letters. I spoke to director Joe all about this. Hi, Serena. Hey, Joe, how's it going? All right, thank you. How are you feeling? Your film, it is finally out there. I know, we've been like waiting and waiting and it's been great seeing all these other movies coming out and we've been like, when's our turn? <laughs> um, so finally, we're able to talk about it and that's wonderful. You've been really passionate about Cyrano. Why did you want to retell this story? Because it's been told before, but you wanted to put your stamp on it. It's a story I've always loved and I felt that at this time, especially during the pandemic when we've been starved of human connection, to make a film about the importance of human connection, the importance of meeting people and allowing intimacy into your life and allowing the truth to be told to those we love felt more important than than ever. The timing couldn't be more important for this message, but... At a time where people were running into their own homes, we were hiding, we were locked down, you turned around and went, 
I think this is a perfect time to make a movie. How do you make it happen? And what did people think when you first proposed this idea? People thought I was crazy. I was told I had a 5% chance of getting the film financed during a, a pandemic. But I knew it was really important, um, not just thematically to be telling this story, but also really practically. You know, unfortunately, the British government didn't extend its furlough support to the uh, self-employed sector and so a lot of people I knew who are my friends and colleagues actors crafts people within the industry were having trouble putting food on the table you know and so it was important to be able to help people put food on the table um, meanwhile telling this story about how important human connection is so it all wrapped up into one thing really and uh, and became a kind of defiant act of love in the face of a very bleak uh, world. So it was a 5% chance. You took yeah. that 5%, you made it happen. Yeah. And then, Joe, you turn up to set. And you're, you're used to turning up to set. You're used to first days. Was this a bit more special? Like, how did it feel when you turned up to Italy with your own little bubble? Because you guys yeah. could only mix with each other. What was this experience like for you? It was kind of beautiful and passionate. And we, we made sure that we were working with a fully pan-European crew and cast, uh, dancers and so on. You know, not just in the face of the pandemic, we were making the film in the face of Brexit as well. And so we ended up with people from Ireland and from Australia Australia, America, Canada, but importantly from France, Germany, Denmark, Holland and Britain and all there making a film about connection. In this film, uh, Christian says to Cyrano, I'm daring to be myself. Why do you not dare to be yourself? You are proof that you are continuing to dare to be yourself. But Joe, where do you find that strength to back yourself when people are turning around and going, no, it's not going to work? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of tenacious in my pursuit of creativity, I think. But I certainly don't feel that way every day. And, you know, we have uh, very low days as well. You know, um, I remember during the first lockdown, there was times when I was just kind of completely didn't want to get out of bed and, and couldn't stop crying. It all felt so sort of impossible. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people shared, you know. Yeah. Well, Joe, you keep daring because I love what you bring us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Cyrano will be in Irish cinemas on February 25th and in the next few shows we'll be catching up with some of the stars. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. Joining me back in studio is producer Aoife and I am so excited about what you've brought this week. I know. As I said, look. I'm so excited <laughs> that I forgot to turn your mic on. <laughs> it's all about the music. <laughs> loads, loads, loads of great new music out this week. It was very hard to whittle it down to the four that we have here. And the first one I'm going to give you a listen to, I am very happy to hear this artist back with this kind of track. It is a new one from Ella Henderson and it's called Brave. This is the same 
same Ella Henderson from X Factor, isn't it? It is. And so we've seen Ella go off and do a lot of kind of dancey tracks and stuff in the last few years. That's why I'm really excited to hear this. It's a much more ballady kind of track where we're hearing her voice. Like, she's an incredible voice and you do hear it on the other tracks, but this is like... I actually feel like this is a track they would use as the final song in X Factor. You're right. You know that they would have all of the contestants sing as the winning X Factor song? Or as a great compilation of this has been your journey and this is how, this is what we've come to. Yeah, so the song actually has a really deep meaning behind it. So it's about shaking the stigma of needing help and embracing someone's support when you need the most. And it's off her upcoming album, which is going to be out in March, I believe. So it's her second album ever. And yeah, very excited about that one. And hopefully we'll have her on the show in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I'd love to chat to her. So... Ordinarily, I'd say, please, please, please vote for that one. <laughs> You're going to sway the vote this week, are you, Serena? Well, you've put her up against. Yes, I know, Serena, you were a huge fan of the Rasputin remix by Majestic. It was played here loads. We all loved it. We were always dancing around the studio to it. Well, he's back with a new track with Autumn Row, and it's called Tricky. I lost track of time, it's tricky There goes my mind, it's tricky These lights got me blind, so tricky Hell of a night, it's tricky Right, right, right to the left Two steps, right, left, right, right, right to the left Two steps Oh, if I didn't want to stop that. I, I love that one. I think we're going to hear that on our airwaves just as much as we heard Rasputin. I love, love, love it. Now, I have to say, <laughs> you might remember if you listened to this segment often before Christmas, I brought you another song called Tricky, which Serena thought I was playing out again. Tricky, which was by the Crazy Frog. Thankfully, it's not. It's by Majestic. Yeah, and I'm not even <laughs> going to play out that clip anymore because I cannot believe that the Crazy Frog... I know. That was like my party piece over the break. I was like, did you hear the Crazy Frog has a new song? <laughs> but no, we are going to hopefully play out Majestic and uh, Tricky or Ella Henderson and Brave. Head over to our Instagram at officialspinrun38 where you can get your last minute vote in there. And while you're doing that, we're going to take a listen to apparently reportedly, allegedly, Angelina Jolie's new man, The Weeknd. I don't believe it. This is sacrifice. <laughs> this is sacrifice. I tried to put up a fight. One thing about The weekend, well, one, I, I really don't believe he's dating Angelina Jolie, <laughs> so let's put that out there. The other thing is there's no mistaking. Like, even if you don't know yeah. who it is, you know it's The weekend. But what I love about him is he, he introduces, like, you know it's him, mm. but then, like, that feels like it has some 80s glam. He kind of brought that sound to his music with Blinded by the Lights and stuff yeah. like that. He's kind yeah. of been going down that road and that song actually came out yesterday along with his new album Dawn.fm so um, if you're a fan of him make sure you go check it all out that is where the rumours of Angelina Jolie have come to life again the two were spotted last year over the summer at the same spots very randomly like coming out of the same restaurant at the same time and at a few different things but on this album in a track he actually says my new girl she a movie star Oh. So that's why everyone thinks now that it's a thing that they're dating. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's not Angelina Jolie, 
It's, it's a movie, a movie star. star of someone. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see who it is. And if it's not, he has us all talking, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Time Very clever. <laughs> yeah. Time for this, Aoife. Come on. Are you ready? Aoife's dance track of the week. Just clap your hands to the beat. What have you brought us this week, Aoife? Oh, my first dance track of 2022. I am so excited to see what new dance music is going to come our way this year. But we're kicking off with a favourite artist of mine who I have played on the show before. It's Vice, and this is the new one called Ain't Nothing Without You. Aoife, that's a nice, easy one to ease our, ways, e- ease our ways, ease our way into 2022. Nice bit of gentle piano house. Absolutely love it. I'm feeling hopeful that this may be the year we get back to our gigs properly <laughs> and festivals. I'm hoping we'll have a summer of festivals ahead of us and we'll get to hear people like Vice and all of the other Dance Track of the Week people play at them gigs. Cannot wait. But in the meantime, I am so excited. The we're listeners still, well, the listeners have spoken, Aoife. We're still playing at a Dance Track. It's <laughs> amazing. This is Voted For By You over on our Instagram. It is Majestic and Autumn Row with Tricky on the Bellissimo Files. He stays on my mind, it's tricky. We're out on night, it's tricky. So much on the line gets tricky. It feels alright, but Tricky. I love that you love that as much as we do here. You voted that your Bellissimo Files single of the week. It's Majestic and Autumn Row with Tricky. Absolutely loving that one. Don't forget, if you want to catch more new music, you can head over to the Spin app or website where you can cl- catch our Fresh Hits playlist over there. If you missed any of this week's show, including chats with Jessica Chastain, James Nesbitt, Joe Wright, our very own Darren Conway, you can catch it back up on our website. There's some videos there, spin1038.com or you can get the podcast, which will be up straight after the show. Aoife, so excited about next week's show. I know, a big one. A big one. Gail is going to be on the show with us, yep. talking about ABCDEFU. Yep. And if you're a fan of Scream, it releases in cinemas next weekend. I know I'm petrified of when it comes to Scream. <laughs> but it has been getting, there hasn't been a press screening yet. I think that's next week here in Ireland. So there's been no Irish reviews yet. But stateside, it's been getting great reviews. The reason why I'm telling you that is on next week's show, we have the new cast of Scream. Very exciting. Yeah, so come back to us then Saturday from 10 o'clock. We'll be chatting to the cast of Scream, Gail, and so much more. Aoife, thanks for this week. We'll catch you next week. Yeah. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin.